Hi, this is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. Our hope is that you would come to know God personally, find freedom, discover your purpose, so that you can ultimately make a difference. Enjoy the message. We're in a series that's entitled Life, Money, Hope. It's where we've been talking a lot about life, money, and our hope has been that it's been filled with a lot of hope for you throughout this series. We're in week three of a four-part series. I'm not great at math, but that means we have one more this next Sunday. So, I tell you, I love this season. I love this time of year and the holidays. I don't know if anybody else loves Thanksgiving more than you love Christmas. Some of you guys have probably been putting out your Christmas lights already. My wife's like, no, we do things in order, babe. With Thanksgiving, and then once Thanksgiving is over, on the Friday, we put up our tree and light. Oh, somebody else, loved, yeah, they love that, right? But if you're like me, man, I, I want to play Christmas music back in July. But, so I just love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love the holiday season. And I want you to know, as a church, we feel like God's called us to be generous, to be a blessing. Why? Well, because we've been blessed by the Lord. And so in this season, I honestly believe that in this season, it affords us the opportunity to actually do some things uh, to maybe go another step in our generosity as a church. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what some of those things are and the practical things. But I feel like, I really feel like a lot of us, honestly, we've tried a lot of different things in this life, whether it be regarding our finances, whether it be our marriage, our relationships, and, and we've tried a lot of different approaches, but unfortunately a lot of the things that we've tried just haven't worked. Like they really haven't got us to a place where we feel like they're actually working. And so really the promise that's the byline of the series, maybe you saw it there on the, on the screen, is that God's way works. See, we try things in the world that the world says, hey, these things work, but honestly, the only thing that truly does work is God's way, and that works. And you can put it to the test, and I'll tell you, we've been, let's come to our theme verse. This is out of Haggai, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And uh, Haggai, you didn't know you were going to get some Haggai this morning, right? Like, where is that? It's somewhere between the cover and cover, okay? It's in there, I promise. So out of Haggai, this has been our theme verse. It says, now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Saying, hey guys, listen up. Give careful thought to your ways. So in other words, I want you to think about your life, right? I want you to think about how you're doing things. Like, think about it. And ask yourself this question. Like, how is it actually going? Like, if we were actually honest and we said, okay, like, how is it going? We took some self-inventory. I think a lot of us can relate to the rest of this verse. It says, you've planted much but you've harvested little. Like you're trying really hard, you're working really hard, right? And a lot of us are trying to put a lot of effort into what we're doing, but, but we're getting very little from it. So it says, go on, it says, you eat, but you never have enough. Like I want you to grab the emotion of that sentence right there, you guys, because a lot of us would actually describe ourselves as empty, right? We'd be in this place where we say, you know, if I'm being honest right now, like I can relate to that. I'm working a lot, I'm doing a lot, but man, I, I just feel empty inside. It's like something's missing. And that's what this verse is talking about. It goes on to say, you drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. And this is somebody's life verse right here. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it, right? So like your ways aren't working. Like it should work, like according to the world, like the, everything the world's telling me to do, I'm doing, but I don't know why I'm still feeling empty. It's just not working. And then God goes back to say this. Again, I say what the Lord Almighty says, give 
careful thought to your ways. So in week one, I brought a very practical message that I would encourage you, if you haven't listened, go back. We're on Apple iTunes. You can uh, search it under One Life Church, Nampa, and we're there. Or you can go to our website at olc.church forward slash sermons. Listen, I'm not trying to sell you on a sermon so you can listen to it. I, I really feel like God gave me a message that could really help you. And we talked very practically about some financial things. We talked about financial management, financial planning. You're like, you can do that in church? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you can. And what I taught you in that message was, I said, you know, you can do the numbers. If you'll do the numbers the right way, like, you'll, you'll be blessed, and it could have the power to change your life. But I also went on and said, you know, but there is a, there's God's way. There's actually a way that supersedes the natural way, and it's a supernatural way that I called if you go beyond the numbers. Like, if you do the numbers, they'll add up, they'll work, and you'll get some life change from it. But if you actually begin to add God's principles that go beyond the numbers then you'll really begin to experience hope in your finances. So that was week one. And week two, I talked a lot about, like, ultimately, there's going to come a day. You might not be living there. You might be on rainbows and unicorns and mountaintop experiences right now. And that's great. I think that's wonderful. But there's going to come a day when there's going to be a, what we call a famine in your land. Like, some chaos is going to ensue. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Like, all right, I'm encouraged. Thank you for that. But I promise you, I'll be a little bit more positive. I'm positive you're going to eventually have a day to where there's, it's going to rain. There's going to be some stuff that goes on. And so when that happens, the enemy will lie to us and tell us that you're stuck. It's like you're ultimately stuck. There's no way out and you find yourself in a dark place. But what we talked about last week is that, you know, the, the, the thing that gets us into the mess like, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's finances, relationships, uh, marriage, you know, emotions, whatever it might be. What gets us into it, it's all the same. And what gets us out of that is all the same. And there is hope in Jesus' name. You can get out. His name is Jesus. And God is near. And I encourage you, if you want some hope and some freedom to feel like, how do I get unstuck? Like, how can I get out of this trap or this feeling of hopelessness? Go back and listen to last week's message. It's really powerful because it's God's Word, and God's Word changes lives. It does. But today, I'm kind of ex- I'm, I'm really excited, you know, but I want you to know one thing. I'm, I, I like inspiration. I think it's fun, and, and it's awesome to feel like really good and to leave a service like, woohoo, you know. But at the end of the day, I also think that I, I just very practical, you know, and I think sometimes we need to hear some very practical message. And so if you're the person that um, is looking for a ton of inspiration today, I say come back because we, we do love inspiration and we have those times. But today is just going to be a very, very practical message that I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring to you. And really in this season, in this time of year, I'm bringing it to you on purpose. Because again, I said it earlier, I said this season really affords us the opportunity as a church to maybe take another step, a next step in being more generous. And what I want you to know is that we have a plan at One Life Church. We have a plan moving into the holidays to be more generous. And I want to share that with you today. So I'm going to do that on the front end, and then I'm going to kind of close the message with some practical steps on how you can apply that in your lives. So let's look at this. This comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. Before I read this, I want you to know one thing. The Bible, whether you know this or not, some scriptures are written to you, like directly to you. But some scriptures are written directly to pastors. Now, it doesn't mean that the, the scriptures that are written to pastors don't apply to you. That's not what it's saying. But like the content is saying, hey, pastors, like, I need to, like you need to tell your church some things. And so what we're about to read is actually a letter from a guy named Paul. Paul planted a ton of churches, and he actually had a pastor who, who was over a church. His name was Timothy. 
And so he wrote Timothy, he said this, look, he wrote this, and this is to the pastor. He said, hey, Pastor Timothy, when you talk to your church and congregation, in fact, when you talk to them, command them, look at this, those who are rich in this present world. Now, time out. You're thinking, my God, the pastor's talking about rich people. Guess what? I'm out. Like, I'm not rich. Like, I know what you're thinking. It's like, I'm not rich, so I can kind of get a pass today on this message, and actually, I could kind of tune out. But so but I know you feel that way, and honestly, I kind of feel that way too. And the reason of that, why, why, why do we feel that way? I don't, it's just, I believe our perspective has kind of shifted, and what I want to do today is help give us some fresh perspective. And, you know, studies have shown, go with me here, okay? Go with me. Gallup, anybody heard of Gallup, like these Gallup polls? Like there was a study that Gallup did, and the question they had was, like, how much money would you actually have to make to be considered rich? Like, that was the question they had, and they did this study, and they kind of polled a lot of different varieties of people and different income levels of people. And so the typical response and the answer at the end of all of it was basically people felt like, you know, if I made $150,000 a year, put that up on the screen, my man, if I made $150,000 a year, I would be rich, man. And some of you are thinking, yeah, like, if I made $150,000, my goodness, I'd be rich, right? But here's the thing. You ask a person or a couple who has a household income of $150,000, hey, do you think you're rich? You know, the response is, no, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm not rich. We have troubles and we have different things that we have to deal through. No, no, I I'm not rich. Well, the study kept going on, so then they decided, let's ask some people between the $30,000 and $40,000 bracket. And they said, hey, tell us, how much money would you have to make in order to consider yourself rich? And they said, you know, it came out to a general consensus that if we made $75,000 a year, we'd be rich. Like, that was their thought, right? Some of you were laughing. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, they thought they would be rich. Well, Gallup continued with their poll, and they actually took a poll of people who subscribed to Money Magazine. Now, I personally don't subscribe to Money Magazine. I couldn't even pick it out of a lineup. I wouldn't know what it looks like. But I can only imagine... That people who subscribe to Money Magazine are reading about money because they got a lot of money, right? You would think, right? So they did this survey, and they, they surveyed some people who were at Money Magazine. They said, listen, how much money would you have to make in order to consider yourself rich? You know what they said? They said, oh, to be rich, I would, I would need five million dollars. <laughs> I'm like, and all of us are like, absolutely, oh my God, that's, that would be stinking rich. So what's the bottom line to all this, you guys? What am I trying to get you to understand here today? You ready for this? Put it on the screen. Nobody's rich, <laughs> but everybody knows somebody who is, right? Right? We all know nobody's rich, but we all know somebody who is, right? It's kind of funny, but it's the truth. Like, rich people, like, they don't like to admit they're rich. And it makes some people feel uncomfortable, just the fact that I'm saying the word rich in church today. Do you know the truth is? This is the truth. You ready for this? It's going to set some of you free. If you make between forty dollars and $48,000 of a household income combined, do you know that you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world? Yeah, and that's kind of the response that I thought I would get. Like, nobody said, praise God. Like, I came to church miserable today, but you know this pastor said that I'm rich, baby. 
Nobody did that, right? Why? Why didn't we do that? It's because you don't, myself, we don't feel rich. Like I said, most of us are kind of uncomfortable with that word. But the truth is, you guys, when we realize that we are, like it, it, it changes how we act. We begin to act differently. So maybe you're here, you guys, and maybe, maybe you're not even in the $40,000 a year combined income bracket. But I want you to know that if you have running water, like if you go to your faucet, you turn it on and water comes out, you know you're better off than the majority of the world. The fact that when you woke up this morning, you brushed your teeth, you took a shower, I hope you did, and you came to church today, and you had water. The fact that you didn't have to leave the house, walk a couple of miles with two or three buckets, to wait in line at a well, to fill it up, to take it another two or three miles back to the house, just to have enough water through the day to cook, clean, and do what you need. Like the fact that you have running water, you're blessed. You are. See, it's different when you start changing the perspective, right? Like, man, we, in America, we, we spray our grass with water. Oh my gosh, we spray it all over the place. We'll even drive it down to a car wash and spray it on our cars, right? We're blessed. And so here's the thing, like I just said the word blessed and I get a little bit better response because we like that word a little bit better, right? Like when blessed, yeah, pastor, I'm blessed, but you're rich. Oh, I'm not rich. But you're blessed. Yeah, I'm blessed. See, there's this perspective I don't want to teach you today. Do you know, I, I like this. Maybe you, you can't relate to this. I know because none of us are rich and we can't relate to this, but we know somebody who is. Right? You know, rich people have this little problem. They call it upgrade. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's strange. It's really strange. But rich people have a tendency to take things that, you know, are pretty much kind of brand new and they work, right? And they take them to the store in order to uh, upgrade it to just something a little bit newer. I know you've never heard of that. Um, it's strange. It really is. For instance, like rich people, get this, it's crazy, these rich people. They'll drive their car, four wheels, put it in drive, drive it. Amazing. AC, heater, all works. They'll drive their car to a dealership. You ready for this? This is, it gets crazy. They drive their car to a dealership, and not only will they leave their car there, but they'll actually give the dealer more money to leave with another car that basically does the same thing. I know, listen, I know it's crazy. I know it's strange. I don't, I, can't, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I mean, maybe you know somebody who does. You know, another thing that rich people do is, hey, this is crazy. It's so crazy. This blows my mind. They're like, they have perfectly good working countertops in their house. Nothing wrong with them. They work. You can put dishes on them. It's great. Holds them up. They got a stove that works, cook food. They got a microwave that works. They got a refrigerator that works. But you know what rich people do? <laughs> it's crazy. They'll actually rip it out and get rid of it and put another fully functioning countertop that works. <laughs> a stove, a microwave, a refrigerator. I, it's weird, right? It's crazy. These rich people, man. These rich people problems. It's insane. Hey, I got another one for you. You ready? I'll be here all day. <laughs> rich people, it's crazy. They, they'll go to the Apple store, they'll take their phone out, they'll wait in line. And while they're waiting in line, on their cell phone, they're texting their friends. Hey, guess what? I'm at the Apple store. I'm texting you on my phone, and I'm getting a new 
iPhone with one that perfectly works already. I mean, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. And I, all right, so I'm gonna, I got one more for you, okay? I got one more for you. These, they're weird. I get it. They're strange. But rich people have this room in their house. It's nuts. That they actually put their clothes in, and they call it a closet. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but they'll actually walk into a room in their house that's fully lined with clothes, and they'll stand there, and they'll look, and they'll say, you know, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> oh, so you understand it. You get it, right? You understand what I'm saying? I'm so glad that I'm not alone up here. I'm so glad. See, rich people, we have, we have problems, right? But the thing is, it's like we just, we just have the wrong perspective of that word. And see, from, from time to time, I think we actually just need to be reminded of the fact that we are rich, you guys. Yeah, see, I'm getting better amens now. The perspective's beginning to change a little bit. We're blessed, amen? We are blessed. So here's the deal. Just trying to help you gain some fresh perspective today. And that's to know that you're blessed. Look at what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich. So like, God was in heaven, Jesus was with everything. He had it all. He owned it all. You know, heaven, right? And it says, Yet for, for your sakes, for my sake, Jesus became poor, so that by His Poverty, now watch this, he could make you rich. Now again, I know this makes some of us feel uncomfortable, right? So you say, like, Rhett, okay, why? Why does God, if that's the case, why does God want to make us rich? Why does God want me blessed? Like, why does he want me in this condition? Look at what the rest of the verse says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way. Here it is, so that you can be generous on every occasion. See, God wants to make you rich so that you can be generous on every occasion. He wants to make you rich in every way, not just monetarily. He wants to make you rich and blessed in your marriage, in your relationships, in your emotions, in your health, in all things, in your ideas, man, in your, in your thoughts, in your creativity. God wants you blessed. Why? So that you can be generous with it. That's why. Why does God want me to be blessed? Because He wants you to be generous with it. Now, I get this from time to time, and especially planning a new church. When we kind of go into a series like this, some people are like, hey, uh, tell me about this like prosperity theology, and hey, are, are, like, are we of that group? And can I say one thing? If you hear one thing today, hear this. You ready? With a resounding no, we are not a part of the prosperity theology. Do you, know what, do you want to know what the prosperity theology says? It says, God wants me to be wealthy so I can be wealthy. That's what the prosperity theology says. But that's a lie. That's not the truth. No, the truth is God wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. He wants you to be blessed so that you can be Generous. Look, I write this down this way in your notes. Just say, I, I, God blesses me with more than I need so that I can have more for me, myself, and I. No, 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 not, that's not it at all. He blesses you with more than you need so that you can be a blessing to the world around you. See, the truth is God needs you to have more than what you need. Say it again. God needs you, guys, to have more than you need. You see, that's how I pray for our church. 
That's actually how I pray for my family. It's like, God, I just don't want you to give me what I need. I'm thankful, Lord, that you want to meet my need. But God, please, Lord, give me more than what I need so that I can be a blessing, so that I can steward it, God. You can trust me with it so that we can be a blessing to our community and to the people of this valley, our state and this region of the country, our nation and around the world. Not so that I can be more, no, so that I can be more generous. Be more generous. Okay, so what's the problem then? Well, the problem is, like I said earlier, rich people, blessed people, we have a, we're not very good at being rich. We're not very good at being generous. You know, by and large, studies have shown, you can put this on the screen, that more Americans, Americans specifically, the more we make, the less we give away. It's like as our income goes up and our, our percentage of giving goes down. You know, the most generous people in our country in America are those that have less. And so this study, you know what it reveals to me? It's like the more we make, all of a sudden it's like, now the more that we make, the more I begin to put my trust in myself or in my security of the finances and in bringing my peace and security in my wealth as opposed to my security in God. God never wants you to be secure in your wealth. God is your provider in Him and Him alone. God doesn't want you to feel this, in, like this. it's a lie to feel like, you, like finances can bring security. That's a lie. So that's what people are believing, though. I'm making more. Now I've got to hold on to it. I've got to, like, you know, it becomes my security when God should be your security. And these studies, they motivate me. And that's why there's a verse that says, hey, Pastor Timothy, hey, Pastor Rhett, from time to time, you need to talk about being rich. You need to be talk about being blessed. So let's go back to the rest of the verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 18 now that we're kind of getting some fresh perspective on we are truly blessed. So it says, hey, pastor, command those who are rich in this present world. Here it is. To do what? To do good. To be rich. Like, hey, man, we need to be good rich people. We need to be good blessed people, right? We need to learn how to be rich. So how do we do it? We do it in good deeds. We do it in being generous and willing to share and that's why, honestly, I have messages that I'm going to bring to you typically around this season. Now, obviously, we're 10 weeks into the church plant, but every year in the season, I feel like the holidays afford us the opportunity to talk about this because there is God. I, my job as a pastor is to help you, is to teach you, is to train you what God's Word says, but not only that, but to hear from the Lord and to listen to what God is speaking. And God is saying, hey, listen, I just want you to know you're blessed, One Life. Like you're blessed, and you're not blessed just so you can hoard it. No, you're blessed to be a blessing to the community, to our valley, to our state, to this region of the country, to our nation, and around the world. Now, we're going to do things a little bit differently here at One Life. And, you know, when I grew up in church, at least the ones that I grew up in, like, I always got the message from the from the pastor and the church, and I don't think they meant bad. I just think maybe it was the only thing that they knew, but they would use every tactic, every gimmick, every scheme, every emotion. They'll play videos. They'll say, listen, man, if you don't give like today, man, people are dying in Africa. And they'll put guilt <laughs> on us, right? I don't know if you can relate to growing up in that kind of church, but that was kind of the church that I grew up in. And I just want you to know here at One Life Church, we're never going to go down that road. We never will. Like in the 10 weeks that we've been a church, like I've never asked you for anything. I've just said, hey, ask God. <laughs> just be obedient to what God puts on, on your heart. But I think you under, need to understand there's a theology that's kind of made its way in America 
It's called the aesthetic theology. And you, need, you just need to know about this theology. It's a theology that says God loves you more when you're suffering. It's a the, maybe you've heard of it. There's a theology that goes around saying, listen, God, like if he's given you anything, he just wants you to give it all away and you need to be poor and you need to suffer for Jesus. You know, that's not even, that's not the truth. It's not scripture. But there's a theology that teaches that. And we don't believe that. Actually, if you'll read this verse, it says that we put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Like God wants you to enjoy things. He really does, you guys. He does. See, God doesn't mind you having stuff. He only minds it when stuff has you. I want to say that again. God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just minds it when stuff has you. God wants you to be blessed. Why? So you can be a blessing. That's why. And we got to just keep it straight. We've got to keep our mind and our thinking and our perspective around this area clear and straight. And that's why we say it around here like this. God doesn't want us guilty. No. God just wants us responsible. That's powerful. God doesn't want you guilty. Not at all. God just, he's given us things to be a blessing. He wants us to be responsible for it. And I just want you to know, we never want you to feel bad for having stuff around here. No, like, praise God for it, man. I'm so glad that God's blessed you in the way he has, and that's his blessing on your life. And it's great. Never, ever feel bad, ever feel bad for walking in the blessing that God has given you. Never feel that way. My God is just, my, my job is just to teach us again God's word and God's word says, hey, it's okay to have things. It's just we don't want things to have us. And God's given them to us so that we can be a blessing and that we can steward it the best way we can. So we believe the right way is just honestly, here it is. I, my job is really just to let you know of opportunities to where you can be a blessing. And so that you can then pray, ask God, and do them if you feel led to do them. That's it. Like, you have a Holy Spirit, you guys. You don't need me. Like, you, my job isn't to tell you what to do. My job is simply to show you some opportunities, right? So here I go. This is what I want to do today. This is the very practical thing that I'm talking about in this season as a church, what we're getting ready to specifically do. The first thing, there's three things that we're going to do this year, okay? We, we have so much vision in our heart to reach our city, but we got to start somewhere. And this is where we're going to start, Okay? So we're, we're blessed to be a blessing. God expects us to steward it well. And here's three areas that I want to give you to filter through and to pray and ask God. Maybe it's something you should be a part. Okay, number one is the legacy offering. The legacy offering. This is going to happen, notice the date, on December 16th. Like that's four weeks away, you guys. And I tell you this in advance and ahead of time intentionally because I don't want to pressure you. I want you to have time to think about it. I want you to have time to pray about it. And I want you to have time to plan for it. Okay? And this is, like, my family is going to do this. And this is, let me tell you what this offering is. On this Sunday, on this Sunday specifically, the offering that comes in on this Sunday for the Legacy Offering, we're going to give 100% of it away. Like, everything away. We've got organizations and, and ministries in our city in our state, and the nation, and around the world that we're in relationship with, and that we've vetted thoroughly, that, and we haven't promised them anything. <laughs> we've not promised them one dime. We just have relationship with them. 
And on this Sunday, 100% of everything that the Lord may lay on your heart, whatever we, on that day, like we're going to take all of that, we're going to bless. We're going to give, some pastors are like, Rhett, you crazy, because you just planted a church, and you probably need as much as, like, to, to keep continuing them. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but guess what? God, God's blessed us, and we want to be a blessing, and we're here to make a difference, an eternal difference. And we might even need it, but you know what? There's other people who need it more, and we believe we're just going to steward this, and we're going to trust God with it. So we're giving 100%. That, that should excite some of you. Like, it's a lot of fun, you guys. It's a lot of fun. I just think it's great. And it's not something we have to do. It's just something we get to do. I love it. And I'm letting you in advance know because I don't want you to feel any pressure. I don't want you to feel any obligation. I'm just saying everybody participate on some level. Ask God and just participate. My wife and I are going to pray about it. We're going to get in the living room and just talk about it. We're even going to bring our son in who's 10 years old. We're going to talk to him about it. Because in his world, he's been blessed too. And so we're going to just talk about it as a family. And we're going to participate. And our, our encouragement is that you would do the same. Okay, number two. The second thing of the opportunity I want to make you aware of. It's something that we've actually been talking about throughout this series. It's the random acts of kindness. And you know, I thought I had one of these in my Bible here. Let me just, yeah, here we go. And I've been messing around every time I've mentioned this. This little card, there's no way you can see that. I get it. But at the tables, when you leave today... And at the coffee station and at Guest Central, we have these little cards. We call them our little random acts of kindness cards. On the front of the card, it says something extra to show you God loves you. And so the legacy offering, that's something you give through the church. But this random acts of kindness, this is something that you do, just you and the need. Like This is between you and the need. And I'm just encouraging today, as you leave today, I just would encourage you, man, just... Listen in to what the Holy Spirit might speak to you and see if there's somebody that you can bless. Like, it could be a hug. It could be a high five. It could be in just the love on your family and tell them, hey, you know, I love you. Hey, fellas, it might be taking the trash out. It might be like doing the dishes. It might be, I'm not getting a lot of amens. All the, all the women should be like, amen. No, don't, don't do that. <laughs> like, the fellow, like, why are you picking on me, pastor? All right. But also, man, this is, I, I shared in our, um, a couple of Sundays ago, I shared how one simple card, one simple act of kindness actually took a lady who was on her way to commit suicide. And the lady in front of her paid for her meal. She came up to the drive-thru and the teller said, hey, your meal has been paid for. And she's like, what? Well, has my meal been paid for? So the person in the car gave me this card and she wanted me to give it to you. And she took the card and in tears, it said something extra to show you God loves you. She flipped it and it said, and so do we. And it changed her life. She was on her way home, hopeless, ready to end it all. But because of a simple $7 meal, you guys, what's $7 to us? It's nothing. But it has the ability to change a life. And so my encouragement is, we're not only doing it in this season, we're going to do it all year long, but in this season, man, let's take the next five weeks. Let's take the next five weeks and let's just show some random acts of kindness to our community. Amen? All right, so here's the third opportunity that I want to share with you. It's this. It's a one-life Christmas. A one-life Christmas. This is actually going to be happening on a Sunday right now at 10 a.m. This is going to be our candlelight Christmas service. So why, why do we do this? You know that studies have actually shown that more people are open to the gospel, which gospel is a fancy word for the good news of Jesus, for his love and his life-giving message. Like more people are open to Jesus around the holidays. 
I call them the CEOs. You know who the CEOs are? <laughs> Christmas and Easter only. Right? You never heard that? <laughs> like the holidays, actually, like there's Christmas and Easter only people who go to church. They do that for various reasons, but it's unfortunate that it's even been proven in some studies that suicide rates tend to go up through the holidays. It's just this hopeless, it's this hurting time when the world paints this beautiful picture that everything should be perfect, and the reality is behind the scenes it's just not. And so our hope is that you'll invite somebody to this. This is an opportunity for you to come, for you to invite your family and friends. It'll be a family service. And, and what is a family service? That just means all of our kids are going to be with us and We'll have some, you know, sing Christmas carols and have a really short message and a time of lighting candles together, honoring our Savior. And I promise this will bring a life-giving message that, that hopefully will, people will be inspired to take a next step to give their heart to Jesus. And so that's an opportunity for you to be a part of and to come and, and whether it be to serve or whether it be to just invite a friend. And so I wanted to take some time today to let you know of these things. And so... Please just know, my bottom of my heart, I never want you to feel pressured. I hope you hear my heart. I never want you to feel pressured. Like, because the one thing I didn't like growing up in church, you guys, was the fact that I felt like guilty. Like, I felt guilted into like doing things. And like, I was even confused, man. Like, in my own heart, I was like, I don't want to do this, but like, I feel like I'm going to go to hell if I don't. Hell, hell is what you say in the South. Okay? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm from Alabama, all right? And so Idaho's rubbing off on me. My accent's kind of departing a little bit. But I, stay still, I still say y'all, and I still say hail, okay? So I'm working on it. Oh, you know what's funny is I actually drove here, uh, not drove here, well, we did drive here, by the way, but like in the, <laughs> every fast food restaurant I go to, I have to over-enunciate. Because I, I used to just kind of, yeah, I like a cheeseburger with blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? And I'm like, I like a cheeseburger with that. And they're like, I can't, you're going to have to drive around. And so when I order food, I'm like, I would like to have a cheeseburger combo meal <laughs> and a large Coke. Thank you. Oh, now I can understand. <laughs> so I'm trying to get better. So if you're leaning in going, I can't follow this boy. Well, I, I'm trying to get better, okay? But one thing I didn't like, I just felt guilted into doing things, right? Like I felt this pressure and it confused me. And when I read this verse, this changed my life. This is my favorite giving verse. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. Remember this, okay? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Like if you do a little bit of this, you're going to get a little bit of it back. I know you know this. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. But here's the part that I like. Here's the part that changed my life, and this is the perspective, like when it comes to living a generous life that God has called us to, and that is, here it is, each of you should give what you have, everybody say this word out loud, decided, each of you, I love this, set me free, should give what you have decided, and I love that word, because basically, you know what the Bible's saying here? You shouldn't feel pressured. You shouldn't feel coerced. You shouldn't feel like you've been moved to tears through some video in some spontaneity giving campaign. And here's the thing, I, re I recognize people do that. And can I just say this one thing? Like, there's nothing wrong with spontaneity and giving. Like, I think it's good and can actually be healthy. But like, if only you're giving, if, if all you're giving is characterized by spontaneity, like, like there's, there's a better way. You see, I believe that giving should be well thought out. I really do. It should be well thought out. And that's why I like to, 
I'll, honestly, I'd just like to get out of the way. My job, again, is to train you biblically. My job as a pastor is to help you to understand God's word, that you are blessed to be a blessing. To have the perspective of, you know what, we are in the top 1% of the world. Why? Well, God loves you a whole bunch to trust you with what you have. And it's our job to understand the Bible and our part and our role. And God just wants us to get to a place where we steward it well. He just wants us to steward it well. So I'm going to show you opportunities where we can do that as a church. So you should give what you have decided. The verse goes on, in your heart to give. Not reluctantly. Like, don't be a Scrooge. You know what I mean? But also, don't do it under, look at this, compulsion. Why? Because God wants your heart in it. That's why. He wants your thought in it. He wants your intentional generosity in it. And why does he want that? Because he loves a cheerful giver. So the question of the day is, well, I think this is the question of the day. All right, well, Red, I'm bought in. I'm blessed to be a blessing. My perspective's changed. I realize that I indeed am rich in comparison to the world. So like, okay, if that's the case, well, how do I decide? That's the question. So how do I decide? And I have a giving filter. See, when I have the opportunities, just like I'm giving you today, when I have the opportunities, I don't always just respond. There's three giving filters, and these are the filters I want to give you today. You should have received message notes when you came in today in those message notes. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Write this down. The first one, here's the giving filter, the relationship question. The relationship question. So this is the first filter that I put everything through when an opportunity is presented myself to. It's a, I ask myself this question, who will I commit to relationally? Like, who am I going to commit to relationally? Like, I'm in relationship with them, and am I prepared to commit? Like, am I prepared to commit? And I believe, here's the thing, God builds his kingdom. He builds it relationally. He really does. You know, God even self-identifies himself as a relational God. He said, hey, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. Like he, God himself, identifies himself in family. So what does God do? God puts us in families right? God puts us in families because he's a relational God, and he puts us within a family to work within that family. That's why God does it. So the question is, who am I prepared to commit to relationally? You know the word that I really wanted to use here was the word covenant. Like, that was the word I wanted to use. You know, the one thing that I don't like about relationships these days, and our, our, not relationships, but our generation, is the fact that relationships seem, seem dispensable. Like, the moment I don't feel like loving you anymore is the moment I'm out. That's the, that's the generation we live in when it comes to relationships right now. And there needs to be a time that we rise up and we come back to what God says. God said, and we made the covenant, stand before God, family and friends, for better or for worse, till death do his part. Ain't nothing coming between us. It doesn't matter if I feel like I fell out of love. By the way, you don't fall into love. You choose to love. You don't fall out of love. You choose to fall out of love relationships should be covenant in marriages. And I just believe that there's a time in our age and our generation we need to get back to what God's word says in this covenant relationship. Are you all hearing me today? You with me? You still love me? Okay, I hope so. I really believe that. See, the truth is, the very first covenant that we're in with is our relationship with God. That's, that's absolutely the first covenant. Because God loved us enough 
to lay down his son when we were spitting on him and mocking on him. He laid down his life for us, died for us to be in relationship with us, to restore us, to heal us, to bring joy, life, peace, to give us the fulfillment of who God is living and breathing inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And because God did that, listen, last time I checked, ain't nobody else lining up to like lay down their son to die for me so that they could be in relationship. Like nobody, nobody's done it. It's just God. And I love you, but I don't even love you enough to give you my son to sacrifice him so you and I could be in relationship. Are you, no way. You know I love you, but I don't love you that much. So because God has done this, Lord, because you died for me, Lord, I simply will die for you. I belong to you. I come into covenant relationship with you because of what you've done for me through your son, Jesus. Through your son, Jesus. I'm going to share something with you. I was kind of reluctant to share this because it's kind of personal, but because here's what you need to know. I'm trying to be very careful of not, not projecting my personal beliefs on you. But I honestly feel like it might benefit some people here today. See, Linda and I are so serious about our covenant with God, we actually wrote this out. What we are willing to do for God. Now, I learned this from our pastor, Chris. Chris Hodges out of Birmingham, Alabama. He said, Rhett, I am a slave by choice. Everything I have is his. So we wrote five things. Five things out that had to do with money. And I'm not projecting this on you. and That's not what I'm doing. I'm just sharing this with you in hopes that it might help some of you. And some of you may want to do something similar. And that is, number one, as far as Linda and I are concerned in our covenant with God, is that we recognize that all we have comes from the hand of a gracious God. God owns us and everything we have. So we always, always check with Him first about everything before we buy something, before we do something. Now, I'm not talking like going down the street to get a hamburger. Come on. I'm talking about big things. Okay? Like, we go to him. It's like, God, is, it, is this okay with you? Because if it's not, I mean, like, we're in covenant relationship, Lord, and I want to listen and hear from you. Because you've blessed me to be a blessing, and these resources you've given me, God, I want to steward it well, and I want to make sure it's going to make a difference. Number two, our covenant is we will give the full tithe to the church that we worship in, and we'll even give more as the Spirit guides. And basically, you just need to know my family and I, we are in a covenant with you. Our family is here, covenant with you to serve you, love you, be here for you. And that's just not only physically, that's in our finances as well. We're all in. And it's our delight, man. I love this. This is amazing. The third thing is, here it is, we will demonstrate discipline with our spending and do the best we can because truthfully, we haven't always gotten this right. And this is that. And that's to live by the 10, 10, 80 principle. What's that? It's basically we're going to tithe 10%, we want to save 10%, and we want to learn how to live on 80%. And we don't always get it right, okay? No legalism here. Just, this, is, this is our covenant. This is what we're trying to do. Number four, as far as my family, we will avoid debt so that his money doesn't go to the wrong place. You hear some good news? One Life Church, we're debt free. How about that? Come on, I get a better amen than that. <laughs> Like, how in the world do you move from Alabama and get here and like, I mean, you've loaded? No, we've just got people and family and churches and people just giving to the generosity because they just knew that there's people in Nampa and the Valley that need to be loved and served. And so people have invested, invested. And so we're 100% debt-free. I love it. And we'll always be. Number five, we will make an effort to be generous on every occasion. 
You know, I think that there's a place in your life, hear me out, especially if you're a guest here today, there's a place in our lives where sometimes we just need to go to a place, take a deep breath in, breathe out, kick the tire, sit back, relax, not give, not serve, and just rest and relax. And I want you to know, like, you can do that here. That's cool. Like, we're open to that, and we're here for you. Like, but at some point, this is God's Word, at some point in your life, you need to get rooted and you need to be planted. You need to find a home church to be a part of. And it doesn't have to be this church. Look, we, we recognize people are going to come. They're not always going to connect with what we do, and that's cool. But we want to help people take a next step and get connected to a home church somewhere. Okay? Look at what Scripture says. Psalm 92, verse 13. Here's a promise that if you'll do it. You ready for this? Here's the promise. Those who are planted, those who are in covenant relationship, in the house of the Lord, or in other words, the local church, they shall flourish. In other words, their life will be fulfilled. They'll be effective. They'll be fruitful. They'll, will their life be perfect? No. Are you kidding me? That's not reality. It's not going to be perfect, but it will be full of peace, and it will be fulfilled. I promise you, ask anyone on our team, and they'll tell you that. And we have a growth track here. What's a growth track? Man, is that just something you're trying to get people to be involved in? No, like we believe, like growth track today, one hour, free food, free child care. It takes place immediately following the service. You know what growth track is all about? It's here for you, for you to discover your purpose. Over 87% of American Christians don't know their purpose. They don't know why they're here. They don't even know the personality type. They don't know their spiritual gifts. That's not good. We want to help you with that. But also, do you know what Growth Track is for? It's to give you four Sundays that you can come and connect and learn more about who we are, how we do things, finances, integrity, character, all the things that we're here to do to serve you and your family. And it should also give you opportunity after four weeks to decide in your heart whether or not One Life Church is a place that you even want to be connected with. So growth track is for you. It's for you so that you can get planted, so that you can flourish. All right, so the second filter, here it is, the difference question. And this is it. Will it make an eternal difference? Will what I give and be generous to and be intentional on, will it make an eternal difference? Because if what matters to God is that what you give makes an eternal difference. There's a buzzword in society right now that says social justice. Like, we're all for social justice, man. Feed them, clothe them, give them shelter. But if we're leaving the one thing out, like I said it like this, I wrote it down. I said, social justice without spiritual justice isn't justice. It looks like love, but the greatest gift is being withheld. And that greatest gift is eternal life. Like, let's clothe them, let's feed them, let's give them shelter. Yes, but let's do it in Jesus' name. Because in Jesus' name is where that brings life. And that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. For time's sake, I'm just going to go down to the third question that we ask and we filter. It's the God question. The God question simply goes like this. Is God speaking to me? And this is my joy. <laughs> I honestly couldn't wait to get to this point of the service because I believe, you know what the most fun is as a Christian? The most fun thing that we can do as a Christian is hear the voice of God. That's it. In other words, let me say it like this. The most fun thing we can do as a Christian is to be on assignment. So to have purpose and to know our assignment. So this is what that looks like. So today, when you're taking your family to Texas Roadhouse, you're getting that nine-ounce filet. Mm, come on, baby. Medium. Cooked to perfection. Right? When you're there, it's just simply, God, God, while I'm here, is there anybody here that I can encourage? 
Maybe the waiter, the waitress, maybe that. Or, hey, you know what also that looks like to be on assignment as a Christian? So when you go home to your family today, how can I love them? How can I serve them? Who do I need to tell my, my, my wife or my husband? You know what, I love you. You know what it also looks like? It's taking that random act of kindness card right here and it's, it's leaving a big honking tip for your waitress. You know what honking means? I'm, come on. Big. Like, leave it. <laughs> I'll close with this. My, my wife and I were at a restaurant the other day and I just felt a little thing in my heart and said, you know, she's distressed. You need to bless her. And so... We did. We blessed her. We left a little card, something extra to show you God loves you card. You know, my wife and I, as we're walking out of that restaurant, <laughs> I lean over to Linda and I say, you know, out of the six billion people on the planet, out of the six billion people, God cares enough about that young lady to put a handsome, young, dapper man of God <laughs> to be like, here you go. I'm just kidding. You know my heart. <laughs> it's not, I'm not being prideful. You know my heart. No, no, what I'm trying to say is it's this feeling of, God, what else? Who else can I do? How, who, who can I be a blessing to? What can I do? Even if it's just a simple thing as giving a little bit of extra money on a tip or paying for somebody's coffee behind me. Like, what? What? What is there to do? And this is the last verse, Matthew 9, 35. Look what Jesus did. Jesus went through the towns, the villages. He did what he always did. He taught. He preached, he healed, that's what he did, right? But watch how he did it. He said, I taught in their synagogues, preaching good news, kingdom, healing, diseases, sickness. But when he saw the crowds, I love this, when he saw them, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. And that's all I'm asking you to do for the next five weeks. That's it. It's like, can we just be a blessing to our community when it comes to the legacy offering? You just ask God, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? How can I be a blessing? to know that we're going to give it away to make a difference, an eternal difference. Can we ask the question, Lord, how, how can I just do a simple act of random kindness? And Lord, who can I invite to the Christmas service? Who can I invite? God, let me see. Let me have compassion on them. So here's the question. Last blank. I just want you to ask this. Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm like, Lord, what is it? So like before you give on December 16th, God, what, what would you have me to do? I want you to write that down in your notes. Then just put the notes in your lap. Shut, close your eyes. We'll be here another three minutes. No one looking around. No one moving around. Really quiet. I want to pray together. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that we're blessed. We're blessed, God. And we recognize today, Lord Jesus, that it's, it's not just for our benefit, God. It's to bless others. You've blessed us to be a blessing. And we understand that there's a great responsibility, God, with that. And Lord, we're not sure we even get it right all the time, honestly. But Lord, we're trying. Lord, we're trying. Lord, we're having fun at being a church. It's a lot of fun to be able to be generous. We're having a blast at helping other people. And God, I'm praying for our church that as we live, that we go to work, that we go to school, Lord God, and we spend time in our home, that God, we just get used to asking the question, Lord, what would you have me to do, God? And then help us just to be obedient to that, Lord. And God, I believe wholeheartedly that you desire for us to unleash unprecedented generosity, God, in our church, in our community. So God, give us wisdom, Lord. Give us wisdom, God. Give us wisdom as we do it.
Speak to us. Move us with compassion, God. Just like you were moved, Jesus. When you saw the crowd, you had compassion. We don't want any of the credit. We give it all to you, Lord God. So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed right now, you guys, listen, if you're here today and you say, Red, I'm not that close to God. Like, I'm very religious. I go to church a lot, but like, I'm not that close and I know I need to be. Like, I play the church game, but I'm not in this covenant relationship that you described earlier. I don't have that. I've got religion. Something has moved you today. That's the Spirit of God, my friend. It's today that you realize you just need to take a simple next step to get closer to Him. See, some of you are here and you've been that close, but you just walked away and you just, you just simply need to come back. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, you don't have to join a church to do this, you guys. It's not about One Life Church. No, this is about you and Jesus. You're here today. You would say, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to come home today. I want to belong to Him. I want to surrender my life to Him. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'll simply, listen, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you down front. If you'll just simply raise your hand and let me know who you are, and that way I can just pray for you right where you're seated. I'm not going to call you out. On the count of three, if you'll raise your hand. One, today's the day. Two, now is the time. Three, to choose life. If that's you, will you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. You just made the greatest decision of your life. God bless you. You can put your hands down. We say this simple prayer with me. It's not about the words. It's just about from your heart. Say this straight to Jesus. Say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me and my sins. God, I ask you to forgive me. Save me. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I'm giving my life completely to you. Thank you for loving me and for receiving me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you raise your hand, you made that decision today. Great job. But if you'll do this, we all have a next step. We all do. If you'll take out your connection card that was in your worship guide, there's a place on that card that you can mark. I've decided to follow Jesus. We just simply want to send you an email that gives you some next steps. We're not going to call you. We're not going to show up at your house. We are not going to bother you. Send you one email with what your next step is. There's also a place for prayer requests on the bottom of your connection card. You guys, we're seeing God answer a lot of prayers. We pray every Wednesday from 6 to 7 a.m. We believe in the power of prayer. And so if you have any prayer requests, write those down and know that you will be prayed for this week by name. Hey, One Life, can we put our hands together for those who made a decision to follow Jesus today? Good job. Yeah.